Welcome to Considering Truth, a podcast about religion, philosophy, and a little bit of science. Anything we can use to wrap our minds around our topic of truth. Episode 2, Truth, Part 2. On today's episode, we'll be discussing truth. I'm Mike Went. I'm Josh Olson. And I'm Tim Swigger. Mike here with an editorial note. This is the second half of one recording, which is why it starts rather abruptly. Reason and numbers fall into metaphysical truth tools. Science falls into, you know, physical truth tools. I think there are truth tools that apply to history. History where we, you know, we do this a lot of times with our court system with Truth tools being, you know, we take witnesses, we don't take hearsay, or we trust hearsay at a much less rigorous level to the point that we don't usually allow it in our courts. Uh, we have... We cross-examine witnesses if we right. can. We, uh, yeah. You know, we there's a lot of things that we have built up that it's a different level of rigor, but it's how we determine what actually took place, you know, six days ago, six years ago, 60 years ago. Um and it's also a tool set that we can apply to what happened 2,000 years ago or or longer if we have written records, you know, or other evidences. Um, are there any other sources of truth that you can, that immediately jump to your minds? We've got one more, but I'll, I'll let you guys go before I do it. It's, I'll go for it. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, unless you've already said it, because you've said science reason, math, and history, and I would add experience. Hmm. Um, Aren't those all experience? Experience is, I think, a different one. I mean, personal experience. Like, I had a personal experience of X. And, you know, a lot of people would infer that X is now true, Mm -hmm. um, or that their correlation with X is now true. Um, And that's not always the case, I think. Because your sample size is one, yeah. but uh, but it's a pretty impressive one right. from, but, your but a, from my perspective. A, yes, yeah, from your perspective, you know. And 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 the thing is, though, I mean, we have to know how much we trust ourselves. Mm. Um, um, you know, we can have too much trust in ourselves. We can have not enough uh, in our own experience. Um, but I also think that our experience, you know, how I think you're thinking very much depends on the assumption that you are an agent, you are a mind like I'm a mind, and or you perceive similar. yourself yeah. in a similar way that I perceive myself. And it, 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 I'm not just talking to a very I elaborate... I have trouble making that assumption. You know, you know, the Matrix movie was a, a, about an idea that what we perceive is is not, you know, it's it's all within our head. and that It doesn't know, correspond to actual reality. reality. Yeah. yeah. So that experience, though, you know, I what I see and what I feel... I assume is what the other billion people on this planet perceive and feel in a similar way. Unless, you know, I've seen people with minds who don't seem to be working and I kind of look at them and go, maybe they don't perceive it the way we do. And that's why they don't act normal. Usually it's not the perception, it's the processing, the post-processing. Right. Um, and the inferences that, it, that are, that are but taken. But my assumption from it, there but is that my assumptions no sometimes longer Sometimes it's apply. actually the perceptions. But, but, yeah. So. But I, I, so, so that, that raises, you mentioned the Matrix. Um, 
you know, there are people and, and there are, okay, let's, let's, let's be honest. Every one of us wants to take the blue pill every once in a while, right? There are Which things, ones are the, blue? The, the blue pill is the one where you go back into the matrix and you don't know the difference. Okay. Um, you know, uh, you know, and, and, and there are times when we are just so exhausted or, or we, we want so bad for something to be so that we ignore evidence is to the contrary. And I think you're going to get onto something that we're going to talk about in a minute, but I want to kind of wrap up our, our current discussion of sources of truth. And I'll come back to my last one and then we can kind of talk about, you know, applying truth and whether we, well, we'll get to it. Um, the, the last one that I, I think of is revealed truth. Uh, and this is where somebody or some being who knows more than I could ever know, you know, Tells you what's supernaturally, true. and this is you know more than through my experience, through my reason, through my uh, you know natural world, reveals to me something that I couldn't know otherwise. So God reveals to us things about reality that we wouldn't be able to know through science, through reason, through history, and He does it you know, generally through language. Uh, you know, He He speaks to us, or He speaks in a voice that that we we can perceive and says, "Hey." This is a truth you need to know, and there's no other way to do it. Here's here's truth. Uh, here is so. For instance, one of the biggest ones in the Christian uh, tradition that is a revelation that we couldn't know any other way is prophecies about the future. Uh, there is no way that we can predict, you know, certain. Thing. We can predict the weather out maybe a week, but that's, okay. that gets fuzzy really fast. Mm-hmm. Um, we can predict, you know, what somebody's likely to do, but not necessarily with a certainty. And that's, you know, in very limited cases where we have a lot of knowledge. Uh, once we get beyond, a, a, you know, the short term, you know, we can't predict what's going to happen in 10 years to the, the world affairs. So now you have a supernatural being that has access to more knowledge about truth, not just what we can perceive now, but can say, hey, here in the next, you know, seven years, thousand years, here are the nations that are going to rise and fall, and I'm going to write it down. And I'm also going to reveal something else that is not even knowable in that, in our world at all. And because those things come true, the first ones, now you can believe the fifth you know, the first four came true. The fifth one, which has no, you know, corresponding natural world thing, can also be trusted as true. So it's it's both the the knowledge of beforehand, but it's also the proof of some of this source of knowledge. Now I'm and I'm talking very general here, but right. I'm kind of I, referring a little bit to the revelation of Daniel and the right the, the and nations was, that would come. I was after. thinking about Joseph and and the dreams. About yeah, that. that was why I was saying seven years. But the issue there again, is one of trust. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, with revealed truth, and it doesn't necessarily have to be supernaturally revealed truth. If my teacher teaches me something and says something about the world, right, or my professor or whoever, uh, I am, if I accept that to be true, I'm putting a certain amount of trust, um, you know, or I'm holding that teacher with some regard of trust. Um, or my parents, or or, or anyone, I'm saying that revealed truth is, I think, a, a good source of truth, but along with it comes trust. And trust 
is built up through experience. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I agree. Um, you, were, you were talking about as if this was a special case, and it's not. Um, again, we, we have, you know, authority, but, but authority, as you say, comes with a relationship. If, if, mm-hmm. if you know, I, I am teaching my kids things um, that they have no way of verifying right now, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but they trust me because I have their best interests in mind, and we have a relationship, and they've known me to be reliable. So that is the basis on which they say, okay, you know, I will believe what, what daddy says. Um, yeah. And and maybe they do like, yeah. you know, <laughs> they do according to what I say too. Um, but, you know, I mean... Yeah. And I'm not saying that it's that we don't apply yeah. some of the other ways to verify it, but there is some knowledge that God revealed that way that we cannot verify. And it's the only way that we can can trust it is because there was other knowledge that was revealed, or sorry, other truth that was revealed that we could verify. Well, Nine and, out of ten things are verifiable, I, I think, I think but the tenth one, is likely to be true even though we can't verify well, it. Well, one, one thing that we can do is is we can apply the standard of internal consistency to something, right? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if something is presented which is not logically coherent, um, it, it, that's a reason to look at it skeptically, right? I mean, maybe you just don't understand how it fits together, but also, you know, it, it, it's a red flag, right? So there are there are tools that we have to to look at something that that okay, here's here's something I have no way to to verify or or to, to prove or disprove this, but but can I look at it and and see is it internally consistent? Does, you know, does the evidence you know? I would say the, the very, are, you know, the moon landing. You personally cannot go investigate the moon landing, especially um, since it was unless you have a really big laser. Uh, but but you can look at the stories, right? And you can look at the artifacts, and you can say, oh yeah, actually, we did land on the moon. I would say at the very least, it has to be internally consistent. Yeah, that would be the first criteria. You know, you know. Yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. There are tools available. We can't. Right. We just like, oh well, take but it or leave it. You know, the Bible makes a lot of truth claims about what happens after death that has nothing to do with the physical world. We can't verify what happens after death as far as the Bible is concerned by looking at, you know, people's graves and poking around and seeing, you know, what's happening to molecules there because the Bible's claims are not a physical claim, at least not in the near term. Just wait till doomsday actually, so you know you'll see some things moving around. Yes. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, so, but I, but I think that's a source of truth. It's reality as God perceives it that we have no access to, mm-hmm. but for God revealing it. Right. But and I, I really appreciate um, Josh pointing out that, that that is revealed in in the presence and context of a relationship, um, and and specifically the people of Israel had that relationship with Yahweh. Um, and you know the church has that relationship with Christ uh, and the Holy Spirit and the Father, and so um, that is the the environment in which we receive this truth. We we have the Bible, the revealed Word of God, um, and we can we can look at it and say, "Wow, the nature of reality is that sin is a really big deal, right?" And and God is serious about this, but He really wants a relationship with me. He wants me to be with him. 
Um, and, he really, and, really, really but, loves us. Yeah. Um, but I would say that it's not just a relationship that validates it. For instance, the uh, Pharisees in one of the stories, they asked, you know, Jesus said, your sins are forgiven, talking to, to a particular person that was crippled. Um, and the Pharisees said, well, that, you know, that can't be done by, by man. And Jesus said, you know, there so was you know. A, a reality that just happened here that you have no perception into. You cannot validate or mm-hmm. disprove whether sins were indeed just forgiven. Um, but I am going to show you something in the real world that you can physically validate mm-hmm. that would be equally Don't difficult. Don't real world in, in the it's physical, physical <laughs> world. Yeah. It's all real. <laughs> I'm going to misspeak many times on this podcast. Feel free to correct me. Ad infinitum ad nauseum. Um, Mostly nauseum. <laughs> I'm just but, picturing people in their car screaming at the stereo and then projectile vomiting. <laughs> It will all be fixed in post-processing. So, anyway, uh, but that was not re- uh, truth being revealed to the Pharisees because of their relationship with Jesus. It wasn't because they trusted Jesus. In fact, it flew in the face of their distrust of Jesus. They didn't like him. They didn't think he was a a messenger from God. They they thought he was everything that they he thought was, he was from the devil. Right, and one. later. Or in yes. another scenario, or another uh, story, but that was one where they could validate using one set of tools that say the this there's a corresponding truth here. Do you now think that, they believed him? They saw the miracle that Jesus healed that guy. Nice segue. <laughs> uh, that is a good question. I think that it caused what Tim said a mental dissonance. It was something that they saw that didn't agree with what they believed, and they now had a choice. Uh, And I think this is true of all reasoning creatures. We can be presented with evidence. We can use these various toolkits to get at truth. It doesn't mean that we have to trust them. We have to act on them, or even that we will choose to believe them. And I think there's a number of reasons why we might not, not choose reality. And I think, Tim, and, you were kind of getting at this when well, taking the blue pill and saying, you know what? La, 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 right? Yeah, yeah. Stick your fingers yeah. in the ears, run the other way. Have you heard the the Batman story with the, the killing joke? And it's Joker, you know, describing, you know, the killing joke. And he's doing this long, eloquent one. But he's he's an insane character in, in most most of the stories and his whole point was you know the beauty of being insane is that when reality gets too difficult and the the train of life gets uh, you know more than you can handle you can just check out into insanity you can you know let go of reality and i think the definition of insanity is or at least one definition is losing touch with reality what you believe and your your perceptions mm-hmm. diverge from from reality and people do that from time to time. Yeah. yeah, You know, sometimes it's so bad that people will have, they'll split their mind and there'll be one person with regard to this truth and one person with regard to that truth or belief, you know, and 
and, and that's, you know, it's dissociative personality disorder. I think that's what it's called now. Um, but, you know, yeah, you know, there's, there's all kinds of ways in which and sometimes it's going to wreck your mind if, if, you, if you try to hang on to, to contradictory things. Right. Um, and the mind doesn't exist well that way, but for some traumatic events, it's more than the mind can handle if reality really well, intruded. And, and sometimes we need time to process, and we have to just, you know, okay, I'm checking out, um, you know, and, and, and I'm going to come up for air, and when I do, I'll have things a little bit more sorted. Um, you I, know. I think that's actually kind of funny and, and odd in a way that we would... I mean, it's true about everyone that we need time to integrate, mm-hmm. um, we'll say new information and then, and, and how that affects us internally. You know, I've just suddenly been presented with this new idea and how many of us, we've talked about this in the past, the three of us, but how many of us when presented with a new idea that challenges our existing mm-hmm. set of beliefs, how many of us just go, Oh yeah, that makes total sense. I'll just believe that. Yeah, that, very few of us. I know the answer. <laughs> Not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, no, none of us. And and like I said, we've all talked about this. None of us. Um, and and I think if people were really honest, very few people just instantly accept whatever is set before mm-hmm. them um, in terms of truth claims. They they it really takes some time to really weigh things and decide is is this does this match my picture of reality. Is what this person is saying really true? And what are the implications for my life? You know, if the implications for my life are such that I would have to change, do I want to accept that? These well, are all things well, I that think people... there are sometimes when the implications for my life are next to nil. And I think, for instance, whether you believe there was a moon landing or not, you can <laughs> believe and choose to believe what you, whatever you want. And the consequences to that... <laughs> okay, they might be labeled the crackpot one way or the but other, but they're pretty minor. You're, and that could be, be more one. likely to believe a lot of other conspiracies too, right? Um. But I'm just saying <laughs> there are some things that we can choose not to believe because mm-hmm. they don't hurt us not to believe them. Uh, it doesn't matter what I believe about you know the Heisenberg uncertainty principle, or it doesn't matter what I believe about it. Does. Uh, it kind of does actually, especially if you're <laughs> sitting on chairs. <laughs> but it doesn't matter what I believe because the consequences for having a wrong belief don't really change much in my my experience. Um, but I think the opposite is also true. And I think you were both mentioning that sometimes the consequences for changing my belief are huge to my life, meaning I'm going to have to, you know, change exactly. I get a diagnosis that says if I keep smoking, you know, in two, two years, I'm going to die unless I, you know, change right now. I may choose to say, I don't believe that doctor. He's a crackpot. You know, I've been fine so far. You choose to say, I believe it and I don't care. Yeah. Or, you know, <laughs> I, I, I would rather have a cost. short life where I control my... Smoking right. is probably not as... as yeah. an, an example that I think people yeah, are more really familiar hard, with in terms of, like, there's a deadline here would be, like, obesity, mm-hmm. where people are, are, are have some serious health consequences that doctors can look at and say, look... It's maybe not today and maybe not tomorrow, but soon yeah. your life is probably diabetes is diabetes, diabetes is huge, hugely affected by your weight. And, you know, but you're, it's going to cardiovascular health and these sorts of things. Doctors can make 
an educated guess. Granted, it's not perfect, but I can then, in, as someone in that position, I could choose to either believe the doctor or not, mm-hmm. or um, and and do something or not based on right. uh, presumably based on whether or not I believe the doctor. But what's interesting is I could believe the doctor and do nothing. I could believe the doctor and do something. My choice in the matter has actually very little to do with what I believe about the doctor. But I think Tim raised an interesting point in that sometimes we believe the doctor and still choose to do it. And it's a cost-benefit analysis. You know, mm-hmm. I, I, the doctor says I have to, to change my life. You know, I'd rather live the next two years of my very poor life the way I'm doing it. Then deal with it. Yeah. But other times that is, you know, they can't live with themselves, you know, knowing that, you know, that is not a choice that they want to make. The, the, the belief is too hard to, to do it without them changing their life. So they choose not to believe it. Uh, and that it's kind of one level mm-hmm. removed back. It's not, not accepting the truth. It's saying, Hey, I'm going to believe something else. And I think this is true for a lot of religions or belief systems about the afterlife. Uh, because what I do here in this life right now, depending on what I believe about the afterlife would be very different because the consequences are potentially eternal. You know, if you believe you live forever after death in some form, what you do in these, you know, 70, 80 years, you know, you're going to have to change. And so rather than believe that whatever version of afterlife you want to do, you'll say, Maybe I don't believe in a God, or maybe I believe in the God that says pleasure is the only, uh, you know, virtue, or maybe I will believe that, that, you know, my afterlife is going to be a karma, karma one where I can come back and I get more lives to kind of figure things out. And, you know, this life isn't the only life I have to before eternity cements my, my doom or my, you know, my, my future. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to one example I can think of right now, but. Uh, I'm sure there are many others where people just choose not to believe it because maybe uh, climate change would be something that people would believe, not because of evidence reasons, but because it might mean that if they believe something, they might have to, to change how they, they live their life or who they vote for or, or, or what they, you know, Whether what they recycle. <laughs> so we've talked about... Uh, a little bit here why truth is important uh, and sometimes it's very important and sometimes when it doesn't apply to you or it, you know it, it, it may not be important uh, but the implications for not following the truth for those people who are choosing to ignore uh, you know I think the people who know the truth accept the truth they, they, they believe the doctor and they choose it that's a value proposition you know, a, 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 or not a value problem, a, a, a cost-benefit analysis that they mm-hmm. say, you know, this is what I choose. For the people who disregard the truth and say, I won't do it, that's going to cost them potentially big because they aren't, they aren't doing a, a cost-benefit analysis. They're saying cost-benefit analysis, I don't like, and that's just more. So I'm not even going to do the cost-benefit analysis. I'm just going to, to change what I believe. And reality is going to intrude eventually. I think for those situations, you know, that's where the consequences are most dire because 
it's only a temporary ignorance. Eventually, reality asserts itself. You know, I can spend like I've got a million dollars in my bank account, and I can actually spend like I've got more money than my bank account happen has in it because the bank will gladly you know over, let me overdraft for a while, and at some point they're going to say it's time to pay up. And my world is going to come crashing down. My well, then house. you just file for bankruptcy and everything's fine. But they're going to take my house. <laughs> they're going to take my car. And yes, I will. You know, our 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 society has said that we don't want to let reality intrude too much uh, because that has some other things. But if we're talking about the afterlife, eventually, whatever reality is beyond this life, we're going to die, and we're going to find out. And for a lot of uh, worldviews about the afterlife, there's kind of this idea that we have this one life to get it right, and then eternity is is a consequence. Do you see that widely in our culture right now? Uh, what? I, the, the well, the idea of heaven and hell. Because um, I don't. I mean, I, I look at our culture, our contemporary American or Western culture, um, and in practice, it doesn't look like a lot of people care about the afterlife as if it's a thing that will actually happen um, I, I think I think a lot of people ha- have the belief that you know I just have to be a good person and I then I'll, and then I'll, I'll, I'll get in I think I mean I think and, and I'm good enough and I, that's that's part yeah, of that that's part of that yeah, I, I'm good enough in life why wouldn't I be good enough in the afterlife mm-hmm. um, I think though, other this falls into a funny hybrid category. You know, in the near term, for most people, it's not important what they believe about the afterlife because most people are, let's say, between 20 and, and 60, and most of those people live. It's not like you're going to die anytime imminent. And so what I believe for the next 20 years really probably doesn't make a big deal. From from a from from the perspective of, of a person who's dreaming. <laughs> right. So it's easy to ignore because my day to day life doesn't have to change much. The problem with that view is that that it doesn't matter when you're twenty. The problem with the view that view is that it does matter because you start imprinting patterns on your thinking and 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 so on and so forth. So if you if you start building your life and your system of belief on shaky foundations, you're going to have problems 20 years from now. You might, it may not be so easy to just change your mind. Right. But that's another truth that I don't think is widely known. You know, it's, it's this idea that I don't have to decide now. I I quit anytime. Yes. (laughs) So, but I think that that's why you see a larger concern as people near the end of their life with, you know, not just the afterlife, but hey, you know, I don't know if this is exactly what's going through Bill Gates' mind, but you know, he's turned to a lot of philanthropy and trying to leave a legacy. Uh, a lot of people are trying to impact future generations because they're concerned with mm-hmm. not just you know their current well-being, but they're 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 trying to make a lasting impression. Those things start to come to the forefront. It's interesting, you know, looking at 
looking at wealth as an ex- as a kind of an analog or whatever. But you look at Mark Zuckerberg and what he's trying to do with his life. It, it, you know, he's pledged to you know all of his wealth will eventually go to charity of some kind, and and so he is trying to be a con. You know, he's building his life around that. It's easier to do that than to do than to amass a bunch of wealth and then try to give it all away. Um, that's what he's trying to do is is to um, is is to build it into his life, and I think I think that's that's what you're getting at is um, sure as, as a Chris it seems to me I don't know okay yeah sure Tim um, but but you know we want to build eternity into our lives and in fact I mean I think you know as Christians we see the value of knowing Jesus right now. Um, you know, day to day, moment to moment, temptation to temptation, we see um, him as completely relevant to our day to day and moment to moment lives, um, at least hopefully. <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and we try to build that in um, because that is who we are. Um, and and if, if who we are is not, uh, you know, doesn't want Jesus then who we are doesn't want Jesus, period, right? Um, but if who we are does, then that's who we are. I think that's probably a good place to stop. Well, that's all for this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Join us again next time when we consider truth. Episode 2 was recorded on April 16, 2016. Considering Truth is produced by me with assistance from Josh and Tim. Wonderland music provided by Dexter Britton. If you'd like to comment or provide feedback, you can email us at consideringtruth at gmail.com. Consider Truth.